The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. A lot to talk about today. Had some big developments in basketball, some positive, some negative. Had a really difficult loss on Wednesday night in baseball, but we're not going to sit here and talk a lot about that. We're going to preview the weekend against Georgia Southern. And uh, going to try to look forward. It's difficult, though, to put these losses in the rearview mirror after all we've been through the last two years. I mean, like, I get it. N- nobody feels it more than we all do, right? It's a collective experience. Uh, we got to figure it out. We do. And uh, so we're going to talk about uh, this weekend series against Georgia Southern. We're going to look ahead uh, to some basketball stuff. Excited about the men's win on Wednesday, were you not? I mean, not just because of the fact that it's a rivalry game. It's a big win for State because you had State and Ole Miss kind of similarly situated. And Ole Miss at times has played pretty well. They've been a great road team. But, uh, yeah, it's a good win. Not Again, not just because of the rivalry, but because of the fact that it keeps the winning streak going. And that's a team that was kind of right there in many respects in some conversations in the tournament bracket-type discussion with us, even though we have been decidedly ahead in the net. A lot of people felt like that that game against Mississippi State was a must-win for Ole Miss. They had some very weak non, non-conference scheduling, and, and the numbers support that. Every metric supports that. But, um, you know, with State's difficult uh, closing two weeks of the season, we needed to get that one. We did get it. So congratulations to Chris Jans, everybody involved in Mississippi State men's basketball. Big, big win. Of course, last night – very frustrating loss to Kentucky as the uh, losing streak now hits three games. And you want to be playing your best basketball at the end of the year, and we're not on the women's side. There was a stretch there. We won five in a row. Now you've lost three in a row. A lot of people are wondering. Latest bracketology has stayed as a nine seed in both the men's and the women's uh, brackets, which means you, know, you, you, win, uh, <laughs> you win that game, you're playing a one seed in, in round two. But uh, it's up to us. It's simply up to us. Got to keep winning. We're the ones that have put ourselves in these positions and uh, got to take care of business. Uh, speaking of business, uh, True Rest doing well. Come by and check us out. If you're, if you're looking to float this weekend, though, I got to tell you, you have to have an appointment. Okay, that's just how it works. All the floats start at the same time. So you can download the True Rest app. You can go and you can just book online. You don't have to talk to anybody. Uh, but we do request, if it is your first float, to be there 30 minutes early because there's some instructions and things like that. Uh, you got to go through. But you can just call my wife at 662-268-7601. Call her, and uh, she can answer your questions and get you all set up. But, again, you got to have an appointment because it's not like a walk-in where you can just go jump in a float. Everybody floats at the same time in your own individual pods. 
because uh, you don't want somebody walking down the hall and slamming doors, disturbing uh, your solitude. Uh, so be sure and check that out, too. Uh, at some point this weekend, I got to get in there at Bulldog Burger Company. Got to get in there. I, I have to. I know many of you will be here. You may see me there. I've just got a hankering that only Bulldog Burger Company can, can cure. I don't know how you feel, but sometimes I get tunnel vision thinking about, you know, I haven't had this in a while. And then it kind of becomes a bit of an obsession. You start thinking, I'm not going to be happy until I do that. It's like when you hear, a, you get an earworm for a great song and it's not satisfied until you hear that song. That's kind of how it feels right now with being Bulldog Burger Company. Many of you probably feel the same way. So jump in there and let's get it taken care of, right? Get that craving handled at Bulldog Burger Company. Have that great restaurant quality burger. Uh, I have been on the Mississippi Barbecue Burger uh, train for a while. I had the Freshman 15 last time. And sometimes I just like to go in there and get a fresh garden salad, man. That grilled salad, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And you can get it fried if you want. You know, from South Mississippi, it's like in our, in our commandments, not the biblical ones, but just uh, kind of in the handbook of the being from South Mississippi. You go in there and get that BLT salad. Maybe you want it fried. That's okay. I'm not judging. When I do get it fried, though, I like honey mustard, which is a little bit different. When I do go grilled, I go, I go ranch. I don't know how you feel, but that's how I feel. Uh, but uh, get the uh, spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. In addition to that, too, that chocolate shake to go, the Nutella shake to go. But ask what the special shake is. That may be exactly what you're looking for. I like to kind of change it up a little bit. Uh, I love going into Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Bulldog Burger Company. The place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, Georgia Southern's coming in, and we got pitching uh, rotations for both. Uh, no change to the Bulldog rotation, nor should there be, right? We got really good starting pitching last weekend. Nate Dome, still your Friday night guy. Cal Steven on Saturday. Uh, Gerangelo Sanchi on Sunday. All three guys performed exceptionally well. Uh, Wednesday's kind of been the outlier pitching-wise for us. We've been good pitching all year long, and then we kind of got ambushed on Wednesday. Uh, Carson Ligon, not a great outing for him. Uh, Harden comes out, does a really good job the first couple of innings, kind of loses it there in the third, lets them kind of get back in the ball game, and then down the stretch, we just couldn't get out. And give them credit, they were swinging the bat. It wasn't like we were just walking the ballpark. We only walked them five times. They had 16 hits. All right, Georgia Southern, uh, they're going to start Thomas Higgins tonight or this afternoon. It's a 4 p.m. first pitch. Left-hander Mitchell Gross tomorrow and left-hander Ty Fisher on Sunday. So we're going to see a pair of softballs here. Uh, will be interesting. Will be interesting because uh, we seem to have a trouble at times with uh, the lefties. Now, you may not know this, but State and Georgia Southern have only met on the baseball diamond one time, way back in 1990 in the College World Series. You remember Ron Polk, of course, came to us uh, from – I guess he'd been at Georgia Southern and he went to Miami Dade, went to Miami and um, – and then came here. But we got to know him when he was the head coach at Georgia Southern. When Charlie Shira got ready to make a change, when Jimmy Bregan left us kind of at the last minute to go join uh, Alex Grammis with the Milwaukee Brewers, there was no coaching search committee. There was no coaching search. There was a phone call to Ron Polk. And then, you know, we, we brought him into a couple ball games, kind of romanced him a little bit, you know, fed him. And ultimately, he became our head coach. And you, you may not know this unless you read Dogpile. He almost turned us down. Imagine how life would be today if that had happened. 
All right, let's look at this Georgia Southern team. Uh, one in three right now, and they've played four, all four games against Power 5 opponents. The opening series against Maryland, they dropped those games four to five, one to seven, and, and then they win seven to three. That's the lone win of the year. They had a late lead against Georgia Tech and then blew it, and they lose to Tech seven to four. Now, every game so far has been played in Statesboro, so they'll be playing at Duty Noble Field for the first time in program history. Uh, that can be a lot to take in, for sure. But uh, this is a team, again, just two years removed from hosting an NCAA regional. And I remember when that happened, we were thinking, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, Jared Banco's our friend, and Jared Banco's out there, uh, you know, making some things happen, kind of restoring some tradition there at Georgia Southern. Kind of look inside the numbers a little bit here. Let's, let's see who's hot for these guys. I guess before we get to that, let's talk pitching here. We talked about Thomas Higgins. Uh, pitched last week in the season opener. Did not allow an earned run. Right-hander, five innings pitched against Maryland. Allows four hits, walks one, strikes out just two. Very much a pitch to contact guy, but uh, the batting average against, just 222. What does that tell us, baseball fans of America? What does that tell us? If you got a guy that's not big on punchies, and you got a guy that's not giving up a ton of runs, what does that tend to tell you about his ability to pitch? Well, it tells you that he's making you hit his pitch. He's pounding his own, and more times than not, he's got you beat the ball on the ground. That's traditionally how that thing works. Sometimes there are guys that get you out on the front foot, and you get some, uh, some pop-ups out there, some routine fly balls, but – uh, expect this to be a guy that works down in the zone and try to get you to top to baseball. That's what you could expect. I don't think there's any question. <laughs> it's one of those things, too. I start looking at all this. Start looking at all this stuff, man, and uh, I'm just trying to find a way to get a win somewhere. All right, Mitchell Gross is going to be the Saturday starter uh, for Georgia Southern. Looking back at his, uh, his first outing, uh, wasn't great. Wasn't great. Maybe that gives you a little bit of hope there. But um, it, 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 doesn't it feel so bad to talk about this that, that way? We're, we're Mississippi State. We're Mississippi State. People, people should fear us when they come in here. Absolutely fear us when they show up uh, at Duty Noble Field. But uh, Gross last week, a 7.36 ERA, uh, took the loss against Maryland, gets the start, works just three and two-thirds of an inning, allows five hits, three runs, all of them earned, two walks, three punch-outs, Allowed the one home run, too. Only faced 15 batters. And um, it wasn't good. So maybe we can jump on him. I, I want to win tonight and then just go ruin the weekend uh, for young Mitchell Gross. Nothing against him personally, but uh, these Bulldogs need a win. All right, Ty Fisher is expected to be the Sunday starter. Uh, in his first start against Maryland, he earns the win, the only winning pitcher so far to date for Georgia Southern. 1.50 ERA. Worked six innings, allowed four hits, one run. It was earned. Eight punches against one walk. Faced 21 hitters. Batting average against is 190. And so it's interesting to see, hey, you know, maybe Titus had a great day. Maybe. I don't know. But you typically don't see a guy that efficient on Sundays because everybody's kind of fine-tuned their scouting report a little bit, you know. And maybe that's the situation there. Maybe they just learned game to game to game here, and it's like, hey, let's go challenge these guys here. Uh, maybe because of Mitchell Gross's bad outing on Saturday, they figured out some things, 
and uh, pitch a little bit better on Sunday. Again, that's the that's the one win of the year. As a staff, the ERA is four seven five, and uh, <clears throat> of the thirty six innings pitched, they have a lot of hit per inning. Twenty two runs scored against them, uh, nineteen of them earned. 35 punch outs to uh, the 19 walks. What's interesting to me, just looking at the numbers, and yes, they've played four power five games, is the uh, lack of extra base hits. Not a ton of those. So you look at the numbers and say, well, they gave up 36 hits. That's true. Six of them were doubles, one was a triple, and three were home runs. Not a ton. Not a ton. The four games, you'd think you'd have a few more doubles in there. So they're get, what they're giving up is mostly singles, which suggests to me it's not a lot of, of solid contact. Probably going to see a lot of balls dipping in and out of the zone, and that's been a problem for us. I, I get the sense, I mean, just kind of watching us, I had a discussion earlier with somebody that I really respect on the baseball side of things. Man, we're pulling off everything. It's almost like that's our strategy, is that we're just trying to go out there and, um, and pull everything back up the middle or, or – or yank everything to left. But it does seem that we're really kind of trending that direction. We're not really taking the ball the other way. When you play teams that pitch off speed and they have all they have this cutting action, everybody's you – know, they're, they're trying to fade you. you got to be able to take that ball the other way. you got to be able to have some action to the backside. That, that's the only way to beat it. When, when you are getting pounded on the outside of the zone and you're trying to rip that ball, you're trying to just pull it as hard as you can – about the best you can hope for is that you pull it back up the middle. It just didn't work that way. I mean, it's just the laws of physics. You know, there, there's always some freaks out there that they can take that pitch away from them. Uh, but more times than not, you see those guys hit that ball to center field, which is the biggest part of the ballpark. So unless you're getting a fastball in or a hanger down the middle, you know, you really just kind of want to hit the ball where it is. The point of contact is an extremely important part of baseball. I don't think people fully appreciate that. When you got a, ball, got a ball on the outer side, you want to let it travel a little bit, you want to take it the other way. Your point of contact is going to be a little bit deeper on that outside pitch. And when you've got guys that have a laid break, you need to move up in the plate, move up in the box a little bit, because you want to take that ball the other way. I mean, think about the great hitters. Like Jake Mangum, like based on the pitching that we've seen, and Jake's a freak, okay, don't get me wrong. Not everybody's going to be Jake Mangum. There's only been one. You know, the all-time SEC hits leader record may never be broken, right? But Jake was a guy that had a good approach no matter where guys pitched him. He made the adjustment, had solid point of contact, and hit the ball where it was. That's what makes Jake great. I mean, Jake could have hit more home runs. He certainly could have. Jake's capable of doing that. But Jake's a guy that has a different approach than most. And so you, you kind of have to have a Jake Mangum-esque approach, even if you don't have Jake Mangum talent, when you have all of these junk ball pitchers. It's extremely important. Because all of a sudden when they figure out that when that ball's cutting away from you that you're going to swing over it or you're going to try to yank that ball, to, you're going to try to hit home run derby with it, it's not going to work. Because even if you make good contact – you're going to hit it to the biggest part, of the biggest part of the ballpark. You talk a lot about a point of contact, right? You know, it's just like everything when, when you get that ball in, you get, get, you get the fastball in, 
you got to get the foot down quickly and fire that back hip and get that bat head out front because you want to pull that ball in the left field corner. That's what you're looking to do. And so when you begin to kind of set that thing up and you look at the point of contact, and the way we, we learned to do it, taught kids to do it, is you just put baseballs down on the ground. So when you see where that ball is coming in, if it's in or half, you got to get the bat head out early and hit the ball in front of the plate. When that ball is coming down the middle, you're going to hit it at the plate. And then, of course, when that ball is on the outside, you're going to be a little bit later, let it travel. It's going to be a little bit deeper in your swing there. you got to alter your swing there. But if you get up there every time and uh, the point of contact is the same, you're always thinking, hey, I want to yank this ball to left field. I want to yank this ball to right field. And you get that outer pitch, you're not going to be able to do it. Even Mark McGuire and, and Sammy Sosa and those guys uh, couldn't do that without some performance-enhancing drugs. It's just how baseball works. you know. So we're going to have to have a different approach to play. And, and you could see, you know, if I'm Georgia Southern – I'm looking at how Austin P pitched us because, you know, they had a couple of guys that had some real velo. But by and large, those guys just kind of worked away and worked down and let us get ourselves out. And there were a lot of times that we chased balls out of the zone. We were a little more patient on Wednesday and let them walk us. But then when we needed a big hit later, it proved to be elusive. And that's a big part of this for us. we got to get the bats going. And, again, Georgia Southern – it's been okay, you know. You look at the numbers and you begin to realize, hey, you, you can see why these games have been um, – been. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Competitive, but uh, they haven't been scoring a ton of runs either. Let's kind of look inside the numbers here. They have one guy among their regulars hitting above 300, and uh, that's Daniel Hab, who has uh, played in three games, started two. He's hitting uh, 333 for them, only six at bats. He's not really a regular, but uh, he does currently lead the team. He's a junior outfielder from Norcross, Georgia. Uh, Josh Tate hitting 294. He started and played all four games, uh, had 17 at-bats, which is the highest on the team, five hits, a double, a couple ribbies. They're a team that really hadn't had generated a ton of power yet, just one home run, one home run as a team. And that came from uh, 
Sam Blancato. But offensively, this team is, has not really been a big threat. They really haven't been. And again, you start looking through the numbers here. You know, Josh Tate at 294, Sam Blancato at 273, uh, Jared Brown, 250. So it, just, it hasn't been a very offensive lineup to date, which suggests to me these will probably be some low-scoring games. And this is where Parker's group's got to really step up here and shove. And, uh, again, when you've got an, an offense that's somewhat challenged, uh, the, the main thing you do is go out there and you pitch strikes. You don't give them anything. And that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to really go out there and pitch the baseball well. Uh, this is a team that struck out 19 times. So they're putting the ball in play. You, you begin to kind of work the math there yourself. My tab got off there. My apologies. They struck out 25 times. So 25 times in 127 at-bats. So basically one in five at-bats, uh, they're getting a punch out, which is not terrible. But they're a team that's putting the ball in play. But they're just basically a singles-hitting team, just six doubles and uh, the one home run. So of their uh, 25 hits as a team, and that think about that for a second, 25 hits, 25 hits, in four games, not great. Seven of them are extra base hits. It's a team they're hitting a buck ninety-seven. So I expect some low-scoring games. You go out there and you pound the strike zone. You don't walk people. They're going to have a tough time scoring. You play good defense. You pitch it well against a team like this. It's really struggling to swing the bat. In which this may be what the doctor ordered from Mississippi State. And everybody keeps saying, you know, Steve, how do you feel about the weekend, guys? We need to sweep. We need to sweep. I expect to win the series, but we need to sweep. And not just because this coaches need it, this team needs it, this fan base needs it. We need to sweep. And we don't need to go out there. We'll take the wins any way we can get them. Uh, but we got to go win these ball games. But I want to see us play baseball, right? I don't want to see us, oh, we won a ball game one to nothing because, you know, we, we hit a third inning home run and then the team made it stand up. Occasionally, got to win those games. But we've got to get the bats going. It's not just enough to go win the games. And I say all the time, just win, baby, right? But we need to get the offense going. That's not a hot take. You know, it's not a brave stance. It's not anything you don't know yourself. But I don't think that you're going to see Georgia Southern score many runs this weekend without our help. So we go out there, do what Justin Parker has trained us to do, do what our guys know to do, and uh, we have a real opportunity to take all three. And baseball is baseball. You never know when somebody, some pitcher is going to get hot and there's some guy you can't get out. But there, there doesn't appear to be anybody in this lineup right now, at least in the early going, that, uh, that you look at and say, okay, well, that, that's the circle guy right there. We've got to make sure we shut that guy down. Uh, running the bases is interesting. They're 8 of 9 in stolen bases. Josh Tate, 4 for 4 on the year. And then Slam Blancato, 3 for 3. So the bulk of those stolen bases come from those two guys, of course. They, um, it kind of stands to reason. Guys that are good at baseball are typically good at baseball all the way around. You have some guys out there that can hit for power. But uh, when you have guys that typically lead you in average, they're usually guys that are good run producers, run scorers. And in addition to that, they're, um, they're guys that typically run the base as well. That's usually how it works. Baseball players are generally pretty good all the way around. Most guys. There's a few guys that specialize. But you know what I'm saying. It's not a surprise. Uh, to see those guys uh, leading in most statistical categories. So Josh Tate is your leadoff hitter, and Sam Blancato is number two. And then from there, as we've talked about with the numbers, it, there's not much length in this order. So you deal with those guys at the top, 
you should be in a pretty good situation to kind of navigate through it. And so I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of high leverage situations for our pitchers in these ball games. So we got to take full advantage. Got got to go out there and shove. And uh, the weather's supposed to be good, so maybe um, you know things kind of begin to pick up, you know. But uh, that's how I feel. I, and I'm I'm, I'm going to be bold today. I'm going to call the sweep. I know a lot of people are like, but Steve, you know we. I'm, we're going to brush all that self-loathing off. We're going to brush all this frustration off and say, you know what? We're going to go pitch to baseball well. We have four out of five games. We have. We're going to shut Georgia Southern down. They're kind of a pedestrian offense, and we're going to get some runs going this weekend. Do I expect, you know, an offensive explosion? No, I don't. But I do think we'll have a better approach this weekend, and I think State wins all three of these games unless State simply gives a game away. I just don't think Georgia Southern can come in here and win this series, certainly. And I think in order to win a ball game, they're going to need us to go out there and really help them. With their, you know, that's where they're booting the ball around uh, or not pounding the strike zone. So let's go ahead and call the sweep. That's what we're expecting. Let's speak it into existence. All right, let's take a look back at maybe some uh, college baseball scores that uh, you may have missed. A lot of times we get tunnel vision, you know, and uh, – we think it only happens to us, but uh, that's really, at the end of the day, that's what we care the most about. South Carolina took care of Queens 13-3 on Wednesday night. Tennessee blast East Tennessee State 16-0. Arkansas State, 4-2 winners over Ole Miss. And uh, congratulations to Tommy Raffo. Recently became the winningest coach in Arkansas State baseball history. Now, before you get, you know, too far down the path here, no, that's not what we're looking to do. A lot of people are like, hey, well, maybe that's it. No. Austin P 13-10 winners over Mississippi State. Alabama wins 12-0 over Alabama State. Vanderbilt 5-3 winners over Eastern Kentucky. Vandy kind of having some struggles, too. A lot of close ball games uh, with the Commodores. Florida beats North Florida 13-4. Of course, they're, um, we'll have some Thursday night games when we get into conference play. There were a couple – Yesterday, as uh, LSU took care of Northern Illinois 10-2, and then Missouri beat Bakersfield uh, 6-3. Now, looking ahead to the uh, the weekend here, uh, Washington State is at Kentucky. Interesting little Power 5 matchup there. Stony Brook is at LSU, and you may remember Stony Brook went in there and beat LSU years ago in the NCAA tournament. Northern Kentucky is at Georgia. Belmont is at South Carolina. Uh, U Albany at Tennessee. High Point is at Ole Miss. Georgia Southern, of course, here at Mississippi State. Valparaiso, Valpo, we love you, Bryce Drew. We'll beat Alabama. Gonzaga at Vanderbilt. And remember Gonzaga a couple years ago. Gonzaga was one of those hot kind of G5 teams, and you hoping that they would kind of continue to win. Could be a West Coast regional site. Iowa, number 18, Iowa's at Auburn. That'll be a very interesting series. Columbia, the Lions, headed to Florida. Wagner at Texas A&M. And Oregon State at Arkansas. That's the marquee series of the weekend right there. Oregon State, a lot of people predict them uh, to be that team that comes out of the West, be the uh, Pac-12 or Pac-5 or Pac-1 champions. Take on Arkansas. And Arkansas had some challenges last weekend against James Madison. Missouri is at San Diego State. Fun, 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 fun weekend. And uh, let's look at the standings here just to kind of see who's out of the gate strong. South Carolina's 5-0. Georgia 4-0. Kentucky also 4-0. 
Tennessee four and one, Missouri three and one, Florida two and one, and Vanderbilt three and two. And Vanderbilt will get it going, but uh, it's interesting the fact that they've struggled as much as they have. LSU five and zero, Auburn five and zero. Excuse me, it's Alabama's five and zero. Auburn's four and zero. A and M's four and zero. Arkansas three and one. And then at the bottom, the two teams that are two and three, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, pick sixth and seventh in the league. It's tough, man. It is. We got to figure it out. We have to figure it out. Now, a couple things that I want to say. Uh, I support every coach as long as they are the coach at Mississippi State. Uh, that does not mean that I'm going to sit here and sugarcoat it and say that everything's going to be okay because I don't know that. I hope it is, but I don't know that. Uh, but I know that at Mississippi State, there is a standard of excellence, especially when it comes to baseball. We expect to win. We're committed to win. We have uh, allocated a tremendous amount of financial resources as a university and as a fan base to baseball. And so when we're not getting a return on that investment, we're going to talk about it. And uh, Lamontos has been great to me the whole time he's been here. But so was Andy Canizero. So was John Cohen. So was Gary Henderson. So was Ron Polk. And so we're going to have access to Mississippi State baseball because we cover Mississippi State baseball. It's our duty, our responsibility, and our privilege to do so. Uh, but at the same time, too, I'm going to call it as I see it. And uh, we are not hitting the baseball well. And that's been the most frustrating part of this is we just felt like the last two years, if we could just get the pitching handled, we'd be good. I do believe this lineup is going to come alive. And uh, I do think that David Mershon and Logan Kohler uh, getting back into the swing of things will certainly help. It'll add some length to this lineup. And certainly a guy like Dave Mershon with his on-base percentage, uh, you love that kid, man. You do. And he is a spark plug for us. We need him. We do. And uh, Dylan Cup, an outstanding player for us. I mean, you see how smooth and uh, easy everything is for him defensively. And uh, picked up his first two collegiate hits in the midweek. And, you know, so he'll get it going too. Uh, but uh, he's a kid, obviously, that uh, is learning and acclimating to life at D1 baseball. Gonna, that kid's probably going to be the face of our program uh, but sooner rather than later. But uh, we got to win games. And you don't need me to tell you that. But not only that. We need to go out there and play well. We need to go play well. And I think that's what we saw this week is that when we don't play well, we're not talented enough to overcome that. We've got to go out there and play good baseball. We've got to be clean defensively. We've got to throw strikes. And we haven't really been walking people. We didn't walk people Wednesday night. We just got knocked around the yard. And that's very, very concerning. And I get it. You know, it's five games, you know, in about, what, seven days? You know, and so you, you kind of get to the deeper end of the bench there. But at Mississippi State, we should always have enough depth to outlast that situation. We should. We should. And uh, I, I'm not one that makes excuses. I try to see things for what they are. When you're down, you know, really two and a half starters in the lineup, you're going to feel the impact on that. But it's our coach's responsibility to get that fixed. It's our coach's responsibility to recruit those players and develop them so we don't have a huge drop-off between – the starters and say their reserves. But there's a reason that Logan Kohler is starting at third, and there's a reason that David Mershon was expected to start at short. And you don't have those guys. That's basically the full side of, of your left side of your infield. And not that we felt that defensively that much. Nate Chester's had a couple challenges over there, but we've really felt it at the plate 
absolutely have felt it at the plate. And, of course, you know, when you finally get Ross back behind the plate, it kind of opens up the, uh, the DH spot. Maybe that means some opportunities for Steven Spalletta. Uh, maybe some more for Jackson McKenzie. Jackson had a big hit for us uh, last weekend. So uh, you need to get some swings for some of these younger guys. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that this week. I mean, we can get some separation and get those guys in some games. But we need to feel good about baseball. And the only way to do that is to play well and pick up wins. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. Blair is a guy that gets things done. Blair is the kind of guy that you need to know whenever you have needs as it relates to your mortgage. Blair's phone number is 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. If you're riding in the car, or perhaps you don't have an opportunity to go back and find this, or you can always DM me. I've had people do that before and say, hey, Steve, what's Blair's number? I'm happy to send it to you, happy to connect you guys, because Blair is my friend, and Blair is our friend in the mortgage industry. You can entrust your mortgage to a number of people, but uh, it's better to deal with somebody that's been doing it for a long time. You don't need some charlatan out there that's uh, you know, maybe a subprime lender that's going to tack on a bunch of points. Blair is going to be fair with you, and Blair is going to probably get you to the closing table with ease compared to some other people. It's a very complicated process buying real estate. So whether you're looking for a game day condo, a second home, or a first home for yourself, look no further than Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. All right, uh, we've decided we got some good suggestions as of late, and uh, I've got a, a, a poster over Gene's page, huge, huge KISS fan, huge. And uh, when we did the KISS list, he made a comment. He said, you know, I love the list. I love that KISS is getting uh, mentioned on the show, but the catalog is so expansive, it almost seems like an injustice to KISS to just have a top 10. I, and I agree. I've thought long and hard about that. And we've done some things in the past. You know, we did the Diane Warren catalog, and uh, a lot of people uh, had a couple messages and a couple comments about that. They didn't know either some of those songs. I think it's rather interesting. But uh, I thought, hey, we know the Kiss stuff with Ace Frehley. We do. I've met Ace, thrill for me, and also got to sit front row in Tupelo when he opened for Alice Cooper. I have Ace Frehley's pick from right after he played the Shock Me solo means an incredible amount to me. You can blame Ace Freely for the long hair, the tattoos, everything. Because Ace was such an impactful person in my life. Just when I saw those guys on TV, I was like, this is different. This is different. You know, I, I grew up in South Mississippi where most everybody at that time, you know, had their hair cut to their ears. And uh, country music people would get up on stage and and uh, sing songs about drinking and, and cheating and then turn around and sing Amazing Grace as some ensemble. You know, it's just it was such a contradiction. But uh, and then you see Kiss on television or in TV Guide or something or on magazine covers. And you're like, this is something foreign to me. And I was really, really drawn to that. And um, you know, maybe call it the dark side or whatever you wish. But uh, Ace was my guy. And of course, you know, there was a lot of changes in the lineup, of course, and Kiss's popularity kind of began to dip. You know, they did songs from The Elder for a movie called The Elder that never got produced. And that was really, really tough. Like everything, Kiss's discography, when you go back and look, you began to see their popularity really, really dip. And a lot of it had to do with, um, you know, the changing in musical styles, but not just the fact that music was changing, but Kiss tried to change too, of course, uh, 
friend of mine uh, for a while played guitar in a band called Disco Kiss down there at the uh, Soul Kitchen in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, with a former guitar player of mine uh, by the name of Eric Carter. And the name Disco Kiss is really funny. Kind of some double entendre there. But, um, you know, the song I Was Made for Loving You is kind of considered a disco song. And so it alienated a lot of fans. So the band needed some new direction. Of course, they, they bring in Vinnie Vincent and then uh, bring in Mark St. John. And Mark St. John, of course, they said had uh, they said he had arthritis, but he didn't. He had an addiction issue, and that was all cover for him uh, to deal with that. And then they found Bruce Kulick, who was uh, the brother of Bob Kulick, who had uh, been very involved with Kiss for a long time. And so the 80s, the mid-80s, really saw a resurgence in the popularity of Kiss. And I was I was there for it. I was happy to see it. Of course, these guys are my heroes when I was a kid. And so it was good to see Kiss back. And of course, um, they did a few albums unmasked and then eventually went back and put the makeup back on uh, it's interesting to just kind of watch the evolution of Kiss over the years. But I would venture to say that kind of the second coming of Kiss was really championed by Bruce. You know, by Bruce joining the band. I think it gave the band new direction. and It gave Gene and Paul some stability. You know, if you know anything about Gene Simmons, you know, Gene's not a guy that wants controversy. I, I've read before, uh, he talked about Vinnie Vincent, of course, Vinnie Vincent, that... Um, had the Vinnie Vincent Invasion after his departure from KISS. Uh, second album with the, the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, of course, had uh, Mark Slaughter and Dana Strum on the, on the album. And then ultimately they became Slaughter as the record company basically fired Vinnie Vincent and gave the balance of the record company to Slaughter. But Gene Simmons said that Vinnie Vincent was probably the most self-destructive person he'd ever known. And uh, there have been a lot of people here as of late that have been ripped off by Vinnie Vincent or people around Vinnie, allegedly, um, they were selling all these this memorabilia, and then people paid their money, never got their products, and then they was going to do a tour, and people bought tickets, and then Vinny canceled the dates. So when Bruce comes along, it's clear that he meshed well, and the music certainly kind of personifies that in many respects. So here are my top ten songs from the Bruce Kulick area era in Kiss, and uh, he played on five albums, Asylum, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, uh, Revenge, and Carnival of Souls, and Carnival of Souls was just kind of one of those things where um, they were getting ready to kind of be the nostalgia act again, and they put they put everybody, the, the original lineup back together and kind of moved forward, but uh, this era with Bruce was big, and uh, the Carnival of Souls thing was just, in many respects, I like the album better than maybe most people do, it's got a little more of a harder edge to it. It's not quite as radio rock friendly. It's maybe even had a little bit of grunge influence in it. The tuning was different. The bass lines were a little bit deeper. Uh, but I, I dug it. But it was really just kind of throwing out some some stuff. It was just kind of cleaning out the closet pretty much. But uh, but here we go. Our top 10 Kiss songs from the Bruce Kulick area. Number 10, Era. Number 10, Jungle from Carnival of Souls. That's where we're going to start. Uh, I love the bass line on this one. I think Gene does really well. A lot of people kind of panned this album they didn't tour for this album they didn't get out really promote it they just kind of pushed it out kind of in advance of uh, of the reunion and so it kind of gets lost in the middle of all of this stuff because kiss had had this resurgence in popularity and everybody's like hey it's kiss i want to see ace and peter chris back in the band and so carnival of souls again kind of the closet cleaning album and um didn't get a ton of promotion but I think if you go back and listen to it, I think there's some, some high points on the album, and I think Jungle may be the best song on the album. 
All right, from the Revenge album, uh, again, an album that a lot of uh, Kiss purists aren't big fans of. I love the album. I do. And, and uh, the number nine song for me is I Just Wanna. Now, there is some creative recording there because uh, in the chorus, the, the lyric sheet says, I just want to look at you. But if you listen close, uh, there's an adult word that's kind of overdubbed in there. It's a little bit different. Very um, typical for Kiss. All right, off the Asylum album, your number eight track is Uh, All Night. And you can kind of guess what that's about. You know, Kiss has always been a band that uh, has been about entertainment, but also uh, some innuendo in the lyrical content. And uh, they have partaken of Fruits of the Flesh many times in their careers, but that's really what that song is about. Number seven, uh, kind of a Aerosmithy type lyrical song. From Hot in the Shade, which may be my favorite album of this era of Kiss. It's Rise to It. Absolutely love it. Love the guitar on it. Love the, love the chorus. I think Paul Stanley's vocal on this is outstanding. Number six, we're going to stick with the Hot in the Shade album. Now, there, there was the huge craze in the uh, early to mid-90s with Unplugged. MTV, in many respects kind of changed the course of music for a while. Everybody had to do an unplugged thing. And the thing that we dug about it is they actually had to sing. You know, there was so much back in those days, and it's even worse today, where all of a sudden there was all this studio stuff that people couldn't pull off live. As music began to diversify a little bit, there were just some bands that could only do it in the studio. So when they did it unplugged and did it acoustic, all of a sudden you began to realize how talented some of these musicians were. And so Kiss had their own, uh, you know, unplugged situation. And they released an album, this Hot in the Shade album, with the song Forever that uh, kind of is inspired by that. And uh, I, I dig it a lot. I think that the, the vocal on this is amazing. I think Gene is amazing. Everything about this song is just one of those ones that you look at and say, what's well, a power ballad? I don't, come on. Kit, come on. Kiss is kind of like the forerunners of that thing, man. I mean, you don't remember Beth? I mean, come on. A, a song that Gene Simmons hates, just so you know. But uh, yeah, Forever, number six. Going back to the Crazy Nights album, I guess this is our first track off that album. And I absolutely dig this one, man. It's Reason to Live. The video is great, but there's some inspirational quality in the song. You know, it's not a song that um, has an underlying message, but it's basically a song of inspiration, a song of empowerment, shall we say. All right, switching back to Asylum, which has a wild album cover. I mean, it really does, even for the 80s. It's very 80s, but even for the 80s, we were looking at that like, eh, you know. All right, number four is Tears Are Falling. Again, great video. Uh, This is, again, a song, got a little more of an edge to it. Uh, I encourage you to check this one out, too. I love the whole list, but this is one of those songs, probably the shining moment on the Asylum album, probably the biggest hit off that album was Tears Are Falling. I don't know that anybody would even argue against that. All right, number three, off the Crazy Nights album, it's Crazy, Crazy Nights. I absolutely love it. It's such a good time song. The video is remarkable, too, because everybody's having such a good time. It's a live performance type video. And you can really get a sense of how big Kiss is. And even back then, again, with you know, Kiss kind of being back to doing what they do, you know, playing real rock and roll music, because Kiss is really a rock band. You know, they're not a heavy metal band. They're a rock band. They're radio rock friendly. They just had a little bit of the, uh, you know, the edge 
you know, because of the fact of makeup and stuff, and people looked at him and said, this isn't right. This is something from the boogeyman, Steve. But it's this crazy, crazy night song is great. I love the part he talks about, this is my music, it makes me proud. These are my people, this is my crowd. You know, that's what rock and roll is about, man. It's a shared experience. It's all get out there together and let's have a good time. We gotta get out there and fight. We gotta have any problems. We gotta do any drugs. Just go get together and enjoy some live music together. It's great. All right, back to the Revenge album. This originally appeared on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which if you don't know Bill and Ted, uh, where have you been all of your life? There's a trilogy of movies. The third one is just pretty good. The first two were outstanding. The first two, the second one, maybe in my estimation, I, I think Bogus Journey may be better than Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I love them both. I know some, like my wife is like, oh, it's so silly. It's a guy movie. Okay, it is. And your kids should know Bill and Ted. Uh, the, the first one is so great with B-thopping and all that kind of stuff. and the, the time travel, Rufus. It's great. But when Bogus Journey came out, we were thinking, how could they even build upon Excellent Adventure? Could they make it better? They did. It was great. And in the middle of that kiss, God gave rock and roll to you too. And they originally were going to cover the original. And then eventually they just rewrote the song. Paul Stanley rewrites the song and makes it kisses on. And again, there's a lot of that too that comes from the whole Petra thing. We've talked about that on the show before. Like Heaven's on Fire is um, written to the riff and the cording of Seen and Not Heard from Petra. You know, it's, it's interesting how that all worked out. But... Uh, God gave rock and roll to you too. I, again, a song of empowerment. Kiss is, for the most part, a very positive band. Even in their infancy, they were. But number one for me, and this is, it's number one by a nose. I, I can't say it's a runaway, but it's the number one by a nose. It's Hide Your Heart from uh, Hide in the Shade. I absolutely love it. It tells a story. You know, it's a guy not being good to a girl, and uh, she's with somebody else and she's stepping out she's cheating on him whatever and um the guy the basically the, the original boyfriend is a guy that's very dangerous and so hide your heart is about that the video is great i think paul's vocal and this is amazing but uh i love the song aspect of it but i think of this era this is easily the best bruce Cullick song i say easily maybe that's a step too far uh, but I do like it a little bit more than God Gave Rock and Roll to U2. And the fact that God Gave Rock and Roll to U2 is really, in many respects, kind of based on another song. We're going to go with Hide Your Heart. I think it's one of Paul Stanley's best uh, songs in the entire catalog and certainly in this era. So there you go. There you go. And uh, we've had some suggestions come in here uh, in the last uh, 48 hours where uh, we did the Diane Warren catalog. And uh, some people have suggested, hey, what about this person and that person? We're up for it. You know, Roy loves this stuff, man. He does. And uh, sometimes Roy gets all excited about the numbers. And then he's like, you know, we hadn't had uh, you know, a new top 10 in a long while that's, uh, that's broke the top 10. And that's because we have to have some fresh ideas. You know, I can't just get out here and do a bad finger list and think it's going to be, you know, top 10, you know. But we're not chasing numbers. We're just trying to, to express our joy for the love of music and share that with you. And so we look forward to coming back on Monday with a brand new top 10 list. As always, brought to you by Close with Blair. If you have suggestions, hit us up. You can find Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. You can DM him. You can just respond to him. I don't know. It make a difference to me. And you can find our great list on Spotify at Dogmatic67. It's so interesting, too. 
we get regular submissions. A lot of times people will, will suggest something we've already done, and we try to track that down list and give it that list down and give it to them. Uh, but it, it's fairly regular. I mean, and there are a lot of times people hit me up directly and I can say, yes, we've done that, or I'll check with Roy and we've done it. Roy always Roy has a master spreadsheet of all the top 10 lists that we've done. Everything. And then, you know, the numbers obviously change, but, uh, you know, once something moves into the top 10, it's not going to drop out unless one surpasses the numbers. But Roy keeps up with those numbers. And maybe that's what we do, Roy. Maybe we need to do a show soon where we give you our top 10. We say, here are our top 10 list, and maybe I give you my favorite song off those lists, the top 10 of top 10s. Maybe that's an idea. It's interesting, too, that band L.A. Maybe, a band that I just kind of discovered, you know, when you listen to Apple Music and there's like, hey, they recommend a band. I checked out L.A. Maybe. I thought they were cool. I did a list for you guys. It's one of the biggest lists we've done probably in the last four or five months. It's amazing. A band that most people have never heard of. I don't know if the band picked up on it and we put it on Twitter or maybe one of their fans and they shared it. And uh, we got some heat off of that. But either way, we like to shine a light on new artists when we can here on the show. But thank you, as always, for your support of the Top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark, a Starkvillian institution. Man, I get so excited when I go in there. Every time I see something new from Miss Kathy Brown, whether it be Mississippi State baseball merch, football, basketball merch, I'm thinking, you yeah, know, that would look really good on me. Maroon does. Maroon is my color. Well, black probably is more so than others. But you know my my point. Uh, There's nothing better than having new Mississippi State merchandise to wear. I encourage you to go outfit yourself, your family, your RV, your office, whatever, with the latest from Mississippi State merchandise. And you can find the best selection of Mississippi State merchandise at Campus Bookmark. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, let me encourage you, absolutely encourage you, to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a lawyer boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right. Talk a little men's basketball here. Uh, Bulldogs now 18-8, and eight, and uh, 20 wins certainly seems to feel like it's in sight. We may need one or two more, but we got to get a couple more at the very least. Uh, I really want to go to the NCAA tournament, as do you. I'm not going to be happy or satisfied with an NIT, especially considering the level of experience that we brought back. But again, we won a big game on Wednesday. Very, very important for this team. You're now 7-6 and six in conference. And you won four games in a row. Now, we know what's waiting for us down the stretch. Again, I like to break this thing down in four-game quadrants and then you kind of get a sense of where you are, where you're headed, and what's next. And uh, our Justin Frommer will be down in Baton Rouge tomorrow as the Bulldogs play LSU tomorrow night. LSU with a huge win over Kentucky, basically at the buzzer on Wednesday night. Pretty nuts, right? And then Kentucky comes here, and a lot of Kentucky fans are very disenchanted about what's happening with their program. I think that group is very talented. I do commend John Calipari for coming out and saying you want to be upset, come at me, but leave the kids alone. I appreciate the leadership in that respect. Uh, those guys are certainly playing hard and uh, probably should have won a game down there. Kentucky fans are, you know, feel like, hey, we need to win another championship. Uh, and then we got, of course, we go to Auburn and then A&M. Only five games left, a regular season uh, slate. Let's take a look at LSU. I guess before we do that, let's take a quick look back 
and just kind of relive a little bit of the 12-point victory over Ole Miss. And again, it was a really good game. You know, State gets out early, Ole Miss comes back. It was very nip and tuck. And then uh, Ole Miss has a four-point lead at the break. And then State really in that second half just really exerted their dominance. A 16-point differential in the second half as State outscores them 43-27. to And uh, there was a stretch there where I just didn't think Ole Miss was going to be able to score. And our defensive effort in the half court was absolutely tremendous. And I think that was the difference in the game. You eliminate transition baskets, you make them grind it out and work through an offensive possession. And there were so many times, so many times, uh, they had to fire up a shot with the shot clock winding down. And there were times they were able to work some mismatches. Matthew Morrell had a really good game for them, 23 points uh, in 39 minutes, 7 of 19 from the field, 3 of 7 from beyond the arc, 6 of 7 at the line, free throws an issue for the Bulldogs again, or this game could have been a laugher. Morrell also pulled down eight rebounds, which was second on the team. Uh, Juju Murray, 37 minutes of action. He really hurt us in Oxford. We did a pretty good job defending him this time. Uh, Held him to just eight shots in the field, a dozen points. Alan Flanagan uh, got in some foul trouble, 12 points for him. Uh, Jamin Brakefield, 33 minutes and uh, nine points. But – you know, 34 rebounds for the Rebels, and Bulldogs pulled down 34-2. But you look at this free throw thing. You know, State was able to get to the free throw line. It's so interesting, too. I read the comments that Chris Bird said about – Chris Beard, pardon me. My apologies. That uh, they had trouble getting to the line. Well, when you don't run offense into the post, I mean, they were settling for jump shots. They were settling for perimeter shots. I mean, they jacked up 19 threes, made just six. They were 19 of 21 from the line. State gets to the line 39 times. We're 23 of 39, and down the stretch again, we missed some. Uh, but the comments about you know Tolu and, and uh, Jimmy Bell not fouling, well, you got to force the action down there. I, I thought that's where Ole Miss really struggled. Maybe they recognized the fact they weren't able to do much in the, in the deep post, but they just didn't run a lot of offense down there for the centers. So there wasn't a ton of contested shots in that respect. I mean, you look at uh, Cissé, you know, the big guy there, he attempted two field goals. He's two for two. But that's it. That's it. You know, you start working this thing down, points in the paint. I mean, they had 24 points in the paint. State had 42. You know, State was content to make this a game in the post. Ole Miss was kind of content to work the perimeter, and it just didn't work out well for them. And so – I'm a firm believer of taking it to the rim, forcing the action. If they foul, you got to make your free throw shots. But uh, they weren't they weren't doing it. They didn't force the action, and as a result, didn't get to the line. If and maybe they were just afraid that Jimmy Bell and Tolu Smith were too much defensively for them. I don't know. I don't know what their offensive game plan was, but uh, down the stretch, they just simply couldn't get it done. Uh, Shaquille Moore with a dozen points for State. Cam Matthews, a really big game. And uh, eight of his 11 points came at the free throw line. He did a really good job early on. Missed a couple of big ones late when State was trying to put it away. But fortunately, State was doing enough on the offensive end to make things happen. Uh, Jimmy Bell, 14 minutes of action. Three of five from the floor. Pulled down four rebounds, six points. I'll take that stat line from him every time. That's a guy, again, you just need him to come in there and spell. But also, too, a guy that was making things happen on the offensive end when he's in the game. Uh, Josh Hubbard held it as five points. And if I told you before the game that Hub was only going to score five, you'd think we lost the game. 
And again, it goes to show you they were they were intent on taking him away from us, but other players stepped up, which opened up uh, the post game for us. Sean Jones Jr. starts again, 16 minutes of action, uh, did not score, but very good defensively. Tolu comes off the bench. Christian says in post game the reason he didn't start is between he and Tolu. I can respect that. 25 minutes of action, 24 points, 8 of 15 from the floor, 8 of 15 from the line uh, as well. Got to get better on his free throws. Pulled down six rebounds. Keyshawn Murphy, I thought Keyshawn was really, really good for State. Really provided some energy. 23 minutes, 4 of 8 from the floor, knocked down a big three, 3 of 4 from the line, excuse me, uh, 3 of 5 from the line, and a dozen points. When we're getting that, you're getting uh, – the, the production we got off the bench, you're going to win a lot of games. DJ Jeffries uh, back in action. Some extended action for him did not start. I suspect he will this weekend. But 19 minutes and nine points. And it seemed like late in the ball game when State needed to, to uh, answer a run, DJ was able to ram home a couple threes. Uh, Deshaun Davis comes off the bench. And while he didn't do much offensively, defensively, he's always around things. Always, always, always around. Had three steals in the ballgame. Uh, so, really good night for Mississippi State. And, again, a big win, not just because it was a rivalry game, but because it was a, against a quality Ole Miss team in the Humphrey Coliseum. And, again, we simply needed to win, considering what we have here on the horizon. Let's take a quick look at LSU. Uh, for those of you that haven't kept up, uh, this is an LSU team that is clearly better than they were last year. But probably not, you know, the team that people want them to be. I think that's an important aspect of things, too. You know, they've got the potential to beat us down there. Don't think they don't. They absolutely do, especially considering our road woes. We've only got one road win. But LSU, 14-12 and 12 overall. Six and seven in the conference, but they've won two in a row. And the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, they're 10-4 and four on the year. 10-4. and four. Looking forward to this game. Absolutely looking forward to this game. But uh, you, you begin to look through their scheduling here. Uh, you know, it, the non-conference is very similar to what Ole Miss has done. They, they didn't have a great non-conference schedule. They opened with Mississippi Valley State. They lose then the Nichols in Baton Rouge. Then they lose to Dayton. How about that? 70-67. Uh, narrow win over North Texas. They win in overtime against Wake Forest. So these games are largely competitive, win or lose. They take down North Florida by 12, and then they go play Syracuse up there in uh, up in New York and get beat 80-57. to 57. They narrowly get by southeastern Louisiana in Baton Rouge. They host Kansas State. They lose that ball game. Finally get some separation, again, just like they did against Valley, but 74-56 winners against Alabama State. Uh, they lose in Houston at the Toyota Center. A lot of LSU alums down there in Houston. At Longhorns get them 96-85. And then 87-66 winners over Lamar. They blast Northwestern State. They get in a conference play here. Big win early as they go down to College Station, Texas, and beat Texas A&M. A lot of people had Texas A&M second in the league this year, expecting them to challenge uh, for an SEC championship. That was a huge win early on for LSU. And then they knocked down Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt, of course, uh, has really struggled this year. But 2-0 in the SEC, really good start. They head down to Auburn. People are excited. And Auburn got after them pretty good. They won it by 15, but the game really down the stretch really wasn't close. They host Ole Miss down at their place. 
very significant win at the time because Ole Miss was ranked 22nd. The Tigers get them 89 to, to 80. The revenge game, A&M comes up to Baton Rouge and they beat the Tigers. Another competitive ball game, but a four-point win for the Aggies. Georgia then loses – excuse me, they lose at Georgia. LSU loses at Georgia by two. And so, again, all these games are competitive. And then you play Alabama. And you know what Alabama did to us? We went to Tuscaloosa. They did a similar thing to LSU. 21-point winners. They host Arkansas, who has been so up and down this year. I just don't know what to make of this team. I'm still interested to see what they do in the SEC tournament. But uh, 95-74 winners over the Razorbacks. Then the Tigers head down to Tennessee, head up to Knoxville, and get beat by 20. Alabama rolls into Baton Rouge and uh, takes them down 109-92. Incredible. I mean, it's just been – this is the kind of year it's been. They, LSU then goes to Florida. It's a very close ball game. They lose by two. And then out of the blue, they go to Columbia, South Carolina, and they beat them 64-63. I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card. And then Kentucky goes to Baton Rouge, and they beat them too. So back-to-back one-point games. So no matter how this thing plays out tomorrow, we expect it to be a close game. Mississippi State playing well, LSU playing well. Uh, I think Mississippi State is the more talented team, but we're playing in their arena. You just never really know. You know know what I'm saying? It's like you never know how teams are going to react on their home floor. But you know it's going to be a partisan crowd. Uh, LSU fans, I can tell you after all the years of living down there, they're very much fair-weathered when it comes to basketball. Very, very, very much uh, fair-weathered when it comes to basketball. So it's a Saturday night. It's like a football game. So I don't know for sure what kind of crowd to expect down there, but uh, you can expect there won't be a ton of maroon down there. But we will have full coverage for you over at jeanspage.com. Be sure uh, and check in with us. But uh, LSU just averaging 2.9 points more per game than their opponents. And and the records and the scores we just went over would kind of indicate that. Uh, there have been a couple blowouts in favor of LSU and a couple blowouts against LSU. But by and large, their games have been very, very competitive. Uh, from a three-point line, uh, they're 36%. They're allowing right at 34%. So there can be some shots made. I'm interested to see the way State defends the three, uh, how that perhaps changes the game here. LSU has a .4 plus margin in rebounding. And you begin to think about how State can rebound, what a good job we do with our guards. And with Cam Matthews, of course, kind of setting the tone there, could be a game, should be a game, where State could have a rebounding advantage. Uh, sharing the ball, LSU handing it out 12 times a game. Opponents right at 13. LSU also turned it over a little bit. 337 turnovers, it's 13 a game. Their opponents turned it over just 13.2. And, again, when you factor in the quality of non-competition, that's not a really good stat for LSU. Steals, LSU 216. Their opponents 212. 99 blocks, and they've allowed 105. So, again, you look at these numbers, and they suggest this team is probably 500. And guess what? That's correct. All right, Jalen Cook is a guy that's been a part-time starter for them, uh, averaging 15.6 points a game. So he is a regular, but he's missed about half the games this year. Jordan Wright, 14.9 points a game, and then Will Baker, a dozen. Uh, But this is a team that really uses a lot of players. They don't have a lot of star power, and you expected a bunch of that when they, they begin to kind of roll out. Former Bulldog Derek Fountain is down there. Uh, he has played in all 26 games. He started six. 
He's averaging right at six points a game and uh, has been a good rebounder for them. Pulled down 109 rebounds, which is uh, fourth on the team. Uh, but good for Derek, right? And, again, I think that says a lot about the, the situation that new staff was in when they got there. Uh, they went and took Derek Fountain, who, who for us at times was a little bit of a streaky shooter. They, he has not attempted a ton of shots uh, during his LSU tenure. You know, so we'll see how things go. But this is a team, obviously, that uh, is capable of beating Mississippi State. A guy off the bench that's worthy of kind of keeping up with, he doesn't play starters minutes, but uh, Hunter Dean, uh, 24 games. He's played in everything, all but two of their games. But um, all of them have exclusively come off the bench. But averaging about a dozen minutes a game, and traditionally they've been pretty quality minutes. He's kind of a glue guy for them. Uh, that's a name to watch. But, hey, it's LSU. It's Mississippi State. It's a road game. They like to call it the Def Dome down there. But I've been there many times when I could hear just fine. I, I don't know how it's been for you. There were years that we owned LSU in Baton Rouge. And uh, this would be a huge, huge win for Mississippi State. You don't need me to tell you that. But, when again, you begin to think about what's left on this schedule, this is one right here that uh, if you could find a way to win – on an opponent's home floor in the conference game, and that's been very difficult for us to do, just through one road win. But, yes, we are very much capable of winning this game. I think the main thing with this is you, you just got to get Tolu going early, maybe get them a little foul trouble. Uh, and that's the thing that worries me a little bit about close ball games is we have not been a prolific free-throw shooting team. So if it turns into a free-throw shooting down the stretch, uh, we might be in trouble. Kind of looking at LSU, LSU's numbers, they haven't lit it up either. Uh, they're right at 71 72%. In free throw percentage, but, uh, you know, friendly rims, right, when you're at home. And so let's make sure that we go down there and take care of business. Now look at the rest of the league. Uh, real quickly here, we'll look at the schedule. If I can find it, it's always so interesting. You pull these tabs together and all of a sudden you, you think you're organized, you still got to flip through stuff. I'm human like the rest of you. Pretty crazy. All right, so looking at the uh, the schedule for the weekend – I guess let's back up and look uh, for what we may have missed. You know, you know that uh, Arkansas goes to College Station when we talked about that on Wednesday show. Uh, but Wednesday night was a busy night in the league as uh, Alabama narrowly defeats Florida by five. Georgia goes to Vanderbilt and wins. And then, of course, LSU beats Kentucky and State beats Ole Miss. And so uh, really, really good um, good night for the home teams with the exception of Vanderbilt. Now let's look ahead to uh, to Saturday. It's fun to be playing meaningful basketball, but we're, we're kind of scoreboard watching, right? I mean, of course, we got to win our games. We got to win our games. But there is some traffic around us. We really need some help clearing. So Missouri is at Arkansas. And you know Missouri's record this year. That should be a, a, a game for Arkansas. Those guys came down here and played exceptionally hard against us. I give Arkansas a lot of credit. Uh, Vanderbilt's at Florida. You like the home team there. South Carolina's at Ole Miss. And you begin to wonder a little bit about the Ole Miss psyche when so many people have come out and said, hey, if they lose at Mississippi State, they're completely out of the field. Uh, I'm sure that staff is saying that's ridiculous because we can close this thing out and get right back into it. But South Carolina going in there could be difficult. Ole Miss been very good at home. Uh, the Ole Miss fans have turned out to support them, so that could be a very intriguing game. Alabama's at Kentucky. And you begin to wonder maybe if Kentucky got caught looking ahead a little bit when they went to Baton Rouge. Alabama is an exceptional team. Uh, you know what Sears can do. That's going to be the CBS game. Tips off at three. 
Auburn is at Georgia. You like Auburn there, but uh, Georgia has been a pretty good home team. A&M at Tennessee. Uh, you like the volunteers there, and, of course, states at LSU. So uh, going to be a very interesting weekend. Let's look at the standings because it changes all the time, right? And so now, of course, state's ahead of Ole Miss, and um, you know, state right there in the thick of things. Got a chance to finish the top half of this conference. We're probably going to have to find a way to, to upset somebody. But Alabama leading the conference now by a game over Tennessee – uh, the, the Crimson Tide's won three in a row, as has Tennessee. Tennessee beginning to kind of figure it out and surge a little bit. So three consecutive wins for both of those teams, Alabama 11-2, and two, Tennessee 10-3. Ten and three. And then South Carolina and Auburn, both right there at 9-4. and four. And you begin to start thinking, okay, the chances of those two teams catching Alabama, you know, with their two games behind them in the standings uh, with five to play, you're really running out of opportunities. I know mathematically you can but you begin to think about the health of this league, it's going to be tough. Florida, Kentucky, right there at 8-5. and five. And you begin to think about this whole thing with Kentucky, right, how big that game could be on Tuesday. If Alabama beats Kentucky and State finds a way to beat LSU this weekend, then Kentucky and Mississippi State are going to be tied in this SEC standings. And so, again, all of a sudden, Kentucky kind of becomes one of our contemporaries because I don't know if you know this, Florida, Kentucky, and Mississippi State had the same overall rating, 18-8 and eight record, excuse me. And we went four in a row. So that, again, kind of adds some intrigue to that game. That's gonna, we're going to be playing for pecking order in the SEC tournament. We play Kentucky. You already knew that. But when you begin to think about the fact that we have a chance to leapfrog them in the standings and push into the top half of this league, And you never know what's going to happen with Florida. I mean, this could be a situation where Mississippi State could really play their way into really good seeding in both the SEC and the NCAA tournament. Ole Miss, Texas A&M, LSU all right behind us by one game. And so I'm sure LSU's having the same talk with their kids. Hey, if we want to continue to do some good things, they're probably an NIT team, right, at 14 and 12. But I'm sure they're thinking, we want to close this thing out as best we can, get the best seeding we can in the SEC tournament and keep the dream alive. But that's what they're thinking. They could pull even with us. Uh, Georgia, 5-8. and eight, Arkansas, 4-9. and nine, Vanderbilt, 2-11. and 11, Missouri, 0-13. Oh, At this point, do you, do you ever expect Missouri to win a game? I mean, honestly. And I give those kids credit, man. When we played them, we, and absolutely we smacked them in that second half. But those kids came out and played hard. I, I, I have to tip my, my cap to those kids. Under some difficult circumstances, they still have come out and played hard. Eight of 18, eight and 18, excuse me, overall. But um, they're even six and nine at home. I mean, you'd, you'd expect a ton of home losses considering all the non conference games you play. But um, again, you start looking at this thing, it's there for the taking for Mississippi State. We talk about playing meaningful basketball late in the year, and that's kind of where we are right now playing meaningful basketball games. All right, let's take a quick look at uh, our friends at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you're bringing a large group to Starkville, you know, what's a large group, Steve? Well, I don't know, you know, four or five couples. I don't know. I don't know what you're bringing. But uh, you got plenty of room to sleep there. Or, or maybe you're bringing family and you want the grandkids or the cousins and everybody to kind of uh, sleep together, whatever. You know, they can all have their own quarters and the adults can, uh, I don't know, have an adult beverage. But there's five bedrooms, a couple baths, that incredible back porch area. That is so incredibly important, like especially weather like we're having this weekend. It's kind of sit out back, watch the sunset, 
kind of enjoy some time together, maybe have an adult beverage or two or three. I don't know your needs. I don't know your wants, your desires in life. But I know that you want to have the opportunities to rest and relax with friends, family. You can do that at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. So just Google them. You can peruse the pictures on their Facebook page. Get an idea of the facilities. It's the old clubhouse at the old country club. It's been completely renovated. I've been out there, toured the facility. It's amazing. Some friends of mine uh, used it here a few weeks back. They had a great experience because you've got some communal areas to work. And you can kind of retreat to your quarters. But, you know, maybe you don't want to work. But if you are bringing a group to the Golden Triangle, rather than go out there and get five hotel rooms and you never know where everybody is and we've got to get so-and-so together for a quick meeting, it's difficult, man. And so work through these guys. Work with these guys, all right? And so let's make sure we check that out. So Stark Vegas Clubhouse, If you uh, when you Google, you'll have the opportunity to book through Airbnb, VRBO. But if you book through the Evolve website, I can save you some money. Go through the Evolve website and use promo code BSR10, and that gets you free shipping on all orders, all orders, all reservations, 10%, BSR10 at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse through the Evolve website. And, and let me say that a little bit cleaner for you. Go to the Evolve website, use that promo code BSR10, and your stay at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse is 10% off. Nobody else is going to offer you that. It just us here at the Boneyard and our partners with the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. All right, very disappointing result last night in, on the women's side. And uh, we thought that uh, after losing both games last week and getting Kentucky back on our home floor, that we'd have an opportunity to snap the losing streak. But you knew that Kentucky probably felt like, you know what, we let that game get away, and this is a good matchup for us. Let's go out there and take care of business. And uh, they did. It was not a good night. And uh, you, you look up there with 27 points, 27 points in the first quarter allowed. They were clearly ready to play. Now, give our ladies a lot of credit. We came right back and answered and took a lead. It just seemed like it took so much juice out of us that we just didn't have any legs in the fourth quarter. It just really felt like that we just didn't have enough juice left. Tough. We beat them 70 70s. 77-74 up there, and then they come down here and get us by 10. And uh, maybe the final score is not truly indicative of how the game went because uh, down the stretch we just couldn't make a basket. But you give up 27 in the first period, you're scoring 22, but it just didn't work. And then in the second period, things got a little more serious there. Bulldogs started playing some real defense. We couldn't make any shots, though, but uh, State wins the quarter 12-8. Uh, to 8. And then in the third quarter – I guess for I think the run ended at 20, 20 to nothing run. And State outscores them by 10 and a quarter. And so you think, okay, look, we're going to head to the fourth quarter here. We got a shot, man. And I really felt like going to the fourth quarter, we, we got this thing done. We got it done. We scored five points in a quarter. Five. Five. And give up 24. When, you, when you're giving up two quarters – 24 points of more in a women's basketball game, chances of winning are slim. When you're scoring five, that's tough. Guys, 19-point differential in the fourth quarter, and we lose by 10. And, of course, they're running clock late. But we were absolutely gassed, absolutely gassed. Asia Petty with 20 points, and she pretty much did what she wanted to. 
Uh, 12 rebounds. Jessica Carter back in the ballgame. Not quite 100%. Appreciate her efforts. But uh, Maddie Shear, amazing player for sure. Uh, not as successful from beyond the arc as she was the previous time, but still pitched in 11 points. But tough night for the ladies. No, no other way to look at it. Jessica Carter with 20 points and 20 rebounds. Huge night for her. But on the defensive end, we just we, we struggled to get stops. Aaron Barnum with 13 points. Lauren Park Lane really did some big things for us. Handed out six assists and had a steal. No turnovers for her in 13 points. Really nice game for her. Jaquilla Jordan, 10 points. We're going to need more from her. And Debrisha Poe with just nine. But outside of that, just, there was no contribution at all from the bench. And, again, you start looking at these minutes played here. Outside of Miracle Shepherd, Darian Rogers coming in. Darian only had 12 minutes. The bench scoring for State, non-existent. Three points. Three points from the bench. Kentucky, 39. So depth wins in this ballgame. And maybe it's something we're doing. Maybe it's something in our rotation. But for some reason, Kentucky has found uh, the formula to play well against Mississippi State. So we split the series. But um, that one last night, very, very hurtful to Mississippi State. Bulldogs dropped 20 and 8 overall, 7 and 6 in the conference. And we go from a situation where we had the uh, opportunity to finish in the top four to making life extremely difficult on ourselves. And just a handful of games left to play, and two of those three games are going to be on the road. This Sunday, the ladies head over to play Alabama. Alabama's played well as of late. Then we go to Auburn. Alabama's one of those games, too. You know, with them playing well and us struggling a little bit, and now you got to go on the home, go on the road, that's tough, man. And then you go down to Auburn, Johnny Harris, of course. Uh, Johnny with an extra ground with Mississippi State. We didn't give her the opportunity to be the head coach here. They're going to be up to play, and then we get Missouri coming in here. And so you look at a situation, and you think, hey, and we talked about it on the show. I mean, we've got a chance to win these last four. we got a chance. If we can get through Ole Miss, you got a chance to win the last four. But now the Bulldogs have lost three games in a row and uh, really, really, really have been gassed out late in ball games. There's some things we got to do on the conditioning side, but certainly in our rotation, uh, to save a little for the home stretch, for sure. So – are we capable of winning these last three? Yes. Are we capable of losing them? You better believe it. Uh, now I think you just hope that if you can get two of those three, you feel pretty good about where things stand. But uh, we could always play ourselves out of the tournament. I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about that. If we don't, if we can go out there and play well, we're not going to be there. We're not there yet. The good thing is that State has actually played pretty well on the road. In true road games, we're 7-3. and three. And then on neutral floor, there's three and zero. So we're ten and three away from Humphrey Coliseum. Our home record's ten and five. Is that a surprise to you that we've lost more games at home than we have away? So maybe these road games here will be good for us. Maybe, uh, but we certainly need them to be. And uh, kind of looking at the weekend that is to come, we've got a lot around us. We've made life a little complicated here for ourselves. I, I still think Sam Purcell is a great coach. Uh, I, I really think that we'll figure some things out here. It always seems like whenever, you know, on the men's and women's side, both, right? It always seems we, we tend to rally, and that's what makes this losing streak so frustrating because it, it really hasn't been what we've seen under Sam Purcell. It, it really hasn't been. And I don't think there's any problems with the team, but I just think we've just kind of reached a point in the season where we're tired. Maybe they all need to come float. All right, South Carolina leads the Southeastern Conference, as you know. Still number one, 
13 and 0. They basically have wrapped up the conference. They'll, they'll award them when they would they win their next game. LSU is 10 and 3, and with three games left to play, the best that LSU can hope for is that South Carolina loses out and they win out. That's not going to happen. South Carolina will be crowned your SEC champions this weekend. And then there's Ole Miss, Tennessee, right there at 9 and 4. So now Ole Miss, by virtue of the win over us, and I think in many respects, maybe they beat us twice. They're now third in the conference, tied for third with Tennessee. So they're in a great position now uh, to be top four. And then we're right there. We talk about contemporaries, beating your contemporaries, Mississippi State, Alabama, both seven and six in the conference and 20 and eight, 20 and eight overall. And, of course, Alabama 13 and three at home. So they have lost as many home games as we have won, excuse me, as we have lost road games. So, again, this is a great – opportunity for both teams we have to win that game Vanderbilt six and seven A&M also six and seven Arkansas just behind them and then Auburn's five and eight Florida five and eight Kentucky four and nine Missouri two and eleven Georgia two and eleven and so again some parity in the league this year but I don't know that we've fully taken full advantage of it state is still in the top half of this league and appears to be in a great position uh, to uh to make the NCAA tournament, I don't think anybody feels differently, but uh, let's look ahead to Sunday. Of course, LSU's at Tennessee. That could be a difficult one. Florida is at Georgia. Florida should win that one. South Carolina's at Kentucky. South Carolina will celebrate a uh, SEC championship in Rupp Arena. Texas A&M is at Auburn and Vanderbilt's at Arkansas. Mississippi State's at Alabama. So not only can we get a leg up on Alabama here, maybe perhaps A&M can help us out a little bit. You know, we'll see how things go. But um, I expect, for the most part, you know, the chalk to hold this weekend. I think it's going to be a, a good weekend for the road teams. At least half the road teams, probably four of the road teams, will win this weekend. And then we'll see how things shake loose. Uh, I would be remiss if we get out of here and we didn't talk about softball for just a second. Man, what a great start to the season. You know, State – Started out undefeated. You lose to UC Davis out in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, two to one. And the next thing you know, they're right out there in Cal. They're out there in Cathedral City, California. They take down UCF two to one, and then yesterday, take down Notre Dame, seven to four. They will play number one ranked Oklahoma, and if memory serves me correct, the Sooners have won sixty-two straight games. Would easily be the biggest win in softball history for Mississippi State if you pull that off. But uh, busy, busy weekend. They're going to play Cal State Fullerton and Fresno State both on Saturday. And then we'll head back. And you'll have a chance to come out of here and support uh, softball at, at uh, Tommy News Park. And uh, it's a ticketed event now, so you got to buy tickets. They're not expensive. But uh, great, great start to the season. Uh, for the Bulldogs. And I went to media day, and uh, Samantha Ricketts said, you know, hey, we're, we're a team that's really disappointed in how last year went. And so we're going to bounce back. The kids have worked extremely hard. And a lot of times you hear that from coaches around the country in all sports. Everybody's worked hard. Everybody's ready to have a measure of redemption. And then hear softball doing that. And uh, really, really excited for the ladies. We've had a chance to kind of get to know some of them. And uh, it's – I represent all – and support all of the student-athletes, regardless of the sport they play, as long as they're representing Mississippi State. Madison Kennedy leading us right now with a 450 batting average, uh, nine hits, 
four doubles, a couple of dingers. And uh, Jesse Blaine has played in all 11 games, uh, hitting 406. So uh, excited for the ladies. Out there running the bases too, man, 13 to 15. Got a little bit, do a better job in stolen base uh, defense, nine of nine there. But when you look at these gaudy numbers, where it's a team we're hitting 372, pitching opponents against us are hitting a buck 91. So great start to the year. Let's keep it up, ladies. Let's get going. Uh, I love it. I love the fact that uh, when we have, you know, some non-revenue producing sports, you know, we have these equivalency sports, as they call them. I, I, again, I'm such a, I'm one of these kinds of people that I believe that all sports should be full scholarships. And the infancy of the NIL era is one of the things that I said, is there is scholarship inequality. We need to fix that. And uh, I still believe that. I think everybody that goes out there and represents us should have the opportunity to have their education paid for, whether they draw big crowds or not. Um, but to see the softball team with the challenges that you have in, in women's athletics these days, especially in softball, uh, to be able to go out there and compete the way they have is uh, extremely rewarding. And I'm very, very proud of each and every one of those ladies and everybody involved with softball because they don't have the big NIL deals. And most of these ladies are going to graduate uh, with, with loans to pay. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. You know, hopefully, you know, a lot of these people have uh, families that can help uh, pay the freight. But, you know, it's just like college baseball, like softball in many respects. I mean, you get a partial scholarship and then you're paying to play. And uh, I just think that's wrong. Uh, maybe you see it differently. A lot of people say, well, you know, Steve, it's a free market economy. You know, that, that, that's true in life. But when it comes to matters of education, I think there's some, you know, some things that could be done to make this a little bit easier to facilitate. I don't think anybody should come out here and play for Mississippi State and represent us on fields of play and travel all over the country uh, and have to work even harder in the classroom with all the demands on them on their schedule and then graduate owing, you know, $25,000, dollars $40,000. I just don't think that's right. And maybe I'm in a minority, but that's a hill that I'll die on. I think they've got to find a way to make this easier. That's the thing that I think about with the uh, basketball and football thing, right? These student athletes, and I love them all, you're on a full scholarship already. You're getting your stipend. You're getting the housing allowance. You're getting the books paid for, everything. And then on top of that, we've got NIL money, and many of them at times hold people hostage, right? Well, I'm going to transfer if I don't get, you know, $25,000. And then we've got baseball and softball and some other sports out there that – um you just don't have those funding opportunities. I think the very least we can do uh, is find a way as uh, college administrators around the country that we don't have student athletes graduating in, in debt considering the, the things that they do to represent their respective institutions. And uh, you may disagree, and that's okay. I'd love to hear your argument against it. But uh, this is college athletics, and I know it's big business for the university and big business for the Southeastern Conference and ESPN, but there's a lot of people out there that we're making a ton of money off of that uh, don't get to share in the proceeds. And because of the sport they play, they're not properly compensated. And uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, everybody ought to be able to get what they're worth. I get, I get that aspect of it. But when you consider the sacrifices that these people are making – 
uh, for our university and for universities around the country, I don't think it's fair that they have to graduate and then um, work for years and years and years to pay off loans because of the fact they excelled in a different sport that maybe somebody else did. Just my two cents. If you haven't done so, go to winthebottomfalls.com and you can get the brand new book, When the Bottom Falls, that is still on the Mississippi bestseller list. And thank you very much for that. Thank you. That never gets old. Number six this week, it never gets old. You guys do such an amazing job making me feel special. I, I got to tell you, I, I really appreciate it. And all of my sports titles are there too. Uh, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, Flim Flam, Dogpile, all there. Everybody needs a copy of Dogpile, no matter how you feel about baseball. We were, we were number one in the country at the end of a year, one time. We chronicled that for you. You have an opportunity to have that. Everybody needs a copy of Dogpile. And um, working on the new one now and uh, finished up Chapter 3, roughing that out last night. And, uh, you know, it's a slower process than the last couple have been for me. I, I wrote Dogpile in six weeks. I wrote When the Bottom Falls in 27 days. Of course, a lot of editing that goes on after that. But, we, but I rough them out, then we put them in the editing process. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to knock out at least one – to two chapters a week, and of course now that the baseball schedule will kind of fall into a one midweek type schedule, hopefully I can knock out two chapters a week, because I want to have this thing roughed out by the end of baseball season. But yesterday, I got a chance to write the story of how Duty Noble got the name Duty, and maybe you don't know. Chances are you don't know. I would submit to you that most people in the Mississippi State fan base have no idea. And as I'm writing that, I, you know, the hair on my arm stood up, what, what little of there is. And I began to realize how important this book is. And uh, it is my honor and privilege to write this. And I have had so much contact with so many members of Duty Noble's family. And their support in this has been tremendous for me. It's so validating and humbling at the same time. And so here in a couple months, we'll open that up for pre-orders. Uh, maybe three months. But uh, we're looking, hopefully, have this thing in production uh, late summer with maybe a late August, early September release date. Of course, we're going to do a big event. Uh, bring the family's going to come in. We're going to have some memorabilia and things like that for you guys to kind of peruse and really see for the first time. And I think that's going to be exceptional. But, uh, again, we're going to do some limited edition uh, copies. And a lot of people say, Steve, I mark me down. I don't control any of that. But I'm just going to let you guys know when it goes live and you can order because we do expect that limited run of limited editions to go very, very quickly. But uh, it has been an incredible experience writing this book. I have learned so much, not just about research, uh, but about Duty Noble. But uh, I have learned, you know, writing these books about the past requires a lot of time and effort and fact-checking. You get your dates right. There's so much to it. But uh, I have I've reached a point where I think I'm, I just kind of feel like I can almost find anything out that I want to if I work hard enough. And I'm really working hard to make sure we've got as much detail uh, about Duty Noble because this is a man that's the most decorated athlete in Mississippi State history. And there's some things about his athletic prowess that you don't know. And you're going to learn about that in the book. And so we'll, we'll share that with you. Uh, but, yeah, we did release the cover earlier this week. Your feedback on that's been very positive. I'm a baseball guy, of course. So, and, uh, yeah, we wanted it to look like an old-school baseball card. And uh, that's the way we designed it. And uh, look forward to you guys having the opportunity to read this book. It's, it's so rewarding to write things that matter to people, right? When I wrote When the Bottom Falls, it wasn't a vanity project, but it was my effort to try to help people to get a better understanding about recovery, but also, too, to help people that maybe are still suffering addicts and their families. This one is much different. This is kind of a celebration. 
in many respects. And um, I take it very, very, very seriously. And uh, I've even got some people in Mississippi State doing some research for me now, trying to help out a little bit just to make sure that we, hey, we want to be accurate. We're writing the definitive history of Duty Noble. And so you can't afford to have anything incorrect. It's very, very important to me that everything is drilled down and we've got documents to support everything that we need. So I uh, look forward to sharing that with you uh, here in the months to come. If you, if you haven't done so, go to StarkVillains.com. Order yourself a Stark Villain t-shirt or hoodie. And uh, come join us over at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Nobody's been covered the Bulldogs uh, quite like we are. And uh, that's one of the things I want to talk about, too, with this baseball thing. A lot of people are like, well, you know, guys, we're going to cover every game. We're going to be there, home or away. Our mandate doesn't change, and that is to bring you the best coverage of Mississippi State Athletics uh, that this university has ever seen. And we've done that for many years, and we'll continue to do that. And uh, I, I remember going down to LSU last year. My, my daughter graduated on Friday, so I had to miss the Friday game. I didn't get a chance to see Paul Skeen's pitch. But I drove down on Saturday, covered the two games, and lo and behold, we win the series. I was the only media guy there. And so I share that with you because of the fact that's a moment that means a lot to me. Not that anybody wasn't there, but the fact that we went down there, even in a season of discontent, we were able to beat LSU, which is truly our baseball rivals. Uh, and, you know, in a year that we weren't great, in a year they won an Eiffel championship, you look up and we won the series in their backyard. It's, in, it's important to me. It matters. And hopefully that can be a building block going forward. Uh, but until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.